continue in our study of uh, the Fearless Sermon Series. Today, I'm going to preach a message called Battling Fear with the Psalms. And we're going to look at different uh, passages in the book of Psalms that are really classic texts on dealing with fear. And one of the things we're going to note, uh, the sort of subtitle of this series is the learning the joy, discovering the joy of replacing fear with faith. Now the opposite of fear is of course faith, and faith is sometimes difficult to describe. Uh, it's essentially the same idea as trust. And, and several of these psalms point out that the antidote to fear is a firm, vibrant trust in God. I was thinking of a way to illustrate what trust is, and then a little video clip uh, that I saw uh, some time ago came to mind, and I want to show it to you on the screen here. This is what the, <clears throat> this is what the opposite of trust is. If we could show that, Josh. In Warren You want to see it again? Here, let me show it to you, just so you don't miss that. We're going to slow it down so you don't miss it this time, all right? This is what, this is what it often looks like in our spiritual life. She's really got a faithful friend there, doesn't she, laughing, <laughs> laughing at her like that. Well, you know, but that's what we do. Basically, we say, you know what, I'm going to handle this, Lord. And with our own ingenuity, our own strength, rather than leaning back on the Lord, we go forward in our own strength and often have the same result, falling flat on our face. But as we learn to battle fear, one of the best things I could recommend to you is become a lover of the book of Psalms, my favorite book in the Bible. And uh, some, many of them are familiar to us. And I, we're first of all going to look at Psalm 23. And verse 4 specifically is a, uh, a, a beautiful fear text. But just, just so we can familiarize ourselves or re-familiarize uh, uh, ourselves with this great text, I'd like us to read together out loud the, the, the 23rd Psalm. And we know it in so many different versions. Uh, let's, let's, let's start with verse 1. Do we have that up there? I would just start off with it, but we're going to have King James and NIV and the Living Bible all molded together here. Here we go. Let's, uh, let's start with that word, a psalm of David. Ready? A psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. As you notice there in verse 4, when it says, even though I walk 
through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Uh, the first principle about battling fear with the Psalms this morning is number one on your outline, and that's simply this, to claim God's protection through our greatest fears. Maybe our greatest fears is, is death itself. Maybe it's simply the, the dark tunnels of life that lead us in that direction. But a, a good shepherd, when the seasons changed, or, or maybe when the field where you were feeding the sheep was basically barren now, because likely you had a large herd and they'd pretty much eaten up all of the green grass, a, a wise and courageous shepherd would take the sheep on a journey to the other side. And David, himself a shepherd, knew that sometimes that wasn't an easy journey. Not all shepherds did it. And so they would go around mountains, sometimes very rough terrain and rough roads, and it, it would be a, a frightening thing. There were animals that could come their way. There were very uh, small ways of passage. And he was describing with a metaphor how life's valleys and low points our darkest hours, even then we sense the protective care of God. And our issue is we must claim it, acknowledge it, and realize that God is comforting us with his rod and staff, so to speak. Now, a, a rod was something that uh, the shepherd would use to discipline a, a wayward sheep as well as keep away uh, wolves and other things that would seek to harm the sheep and a staff was just stability that he could lean on and, and and protection as well god is is comforting us in the midst of our our darkest trials i like what it says when he says this through the valley of the shadow of death that he, he's not staying there he's going through it and this morning whatever you're going through in christ remember that you are going through it we have a tendency sometimes to stay in that shadow, in that valley of the shadow of death. But this powerful verse is a reminder to claim God's protection through our greatest and darkest fears of life. Now, a, a second principle I want to point us to is in chapter 27 of Psalms. I'm going to read verses 1, 2, and 3, where it says this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid when evil men advance against me to devour my flesh? When my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. Now, this second principle about battling fear with the Psalms on your outline is number two. And it says this, remember that God's character makes fear unnecessary now it, it doesn't mean that we won't struggle with fear or, or experience aspects of it but fear in itself if you claim and know God himself and bank on his character fear is a completely unnecessary place to dwell and live now what I like is that he's battling his fears head-on with the character of God Look what it says in verse 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. That word light is a word that basically is the antithesis of darkness. And, and it shows how God is our brightness, our anything that is positive, good, the one that helps us see. 
and our salvation means the one that delivers us from our sin. But notice how personal the, the, the psalmist is with the Lord. It says that he is my light and my salvation. He could have said the Lord is the light and the salvation. It could have been a theoretical thought about God. In theory, I understand on paper that God is this. But when we move to the place where God is theoretical and to where God is personal because we know him in a personal way, then that makes all the difference in the world. I still, I still remind my wife sometimes of, of this moment. when I, It was 1991, and I was at a uh, college party at our church, at Elmcrest Baptist Church out in Abilene, Texas. And I had been sort of getting sweet on this gal named Susie for just a few weeks. And it, we were sort of a mutual thing at this point. And one of her very best friends came up to me. Susie was not at the gathering yet. She came up to me and said, hey, Cliff. I was like, yeah. She said, where's your Sus? I said, excuse me? She goes, where's your Susie? I was like, oh, my goodness. I, I have a Susie. <laughs> She's mine, isn't she? And she's like, yeah, where is she? And I, all of a sudden, I, and when Susie came in, I was like, there's my Susie. <laughs> and if you want a Susie, get your own, because that one is mine, you know. And I still, to this day, I call, I look, and I say, there's my Sus. Now, uh, I, you know, there can be an unhealthiness when you have possession and issues and ownership issues. But it, it, she moved from being Susie, this girl I thought was wonderful, to my Susie, that, that we had a real live relationship with each other. And oftentimes we, are, we stay on a, a, a formal level with God. Where it's formal, it might be respectful, but it's not personal. And, and the moment we come and place our faith in Christ alone and receive his gift of forgiveness from our sins, he's not just the Savior, he's our Savior. And the psalmist was moving through those dark valleys of life because he said, the Lord is my light. He's my salvation. And then he says in the middle of verse 2, He is the stronghold of my life. Then he asks the question, Of whom shall I be afraid? In other words, what sense does fear make anymore? Because the Lord's my personal light. He's my salvation. Yes, he's the savior of the nations, but I know him in a personal way. And then in verse 2 and 3, he says, you know, when enemies attack me, they're going to stumble and fall. No matter, if war breaks out against me, even then I'm going to be confident because I know the character of God. It makes fear something completely unnecessary. The next psalm we move to is in Psalm 34, verse 4. And uh, this beautiful psalm, David, uh, in the fourth verse, says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me. Listen to the last part of this, this verse. He says, and he delivered me from all my fears. I remember I had memorized this verse with my two oldest kids when they were maybe uh, eight years old and six years old. And it was the day before they were going to have their tonsils and adenoids taken out. And we were explaining to them their surgery they were going to have. And I remember sitting back in their room with them, and we went over this verse again and again. And it, their voices were, you know, less mature, and he delivered me from all my fears, you know. And, and I remember it, it was a kid verse to them, but it was a very adult verse to me. And we need to come to the place where we are claiming God's deliverance from all of our fears. 
And we, we sometimes let them stay and fester, but this verse talks about God uprooting them. And that's the principle number three, is uproot fears by seeking God. Now, there is a sense where we can't seek God on our own. But this term of seeking God is not used to, as in the sense of finding something that is lost. Or when you're seeking and looking hard for something, it's not that though God is hiding it carries with it the idea of something you know, but you're moving toward for the purpose of restoration. There's a, a strengthening of intimacy. So I sought the Lord in, God, in God's faithfulness. He answered me, and then it says he delivered me, or the word deliver means rescue, from all of my fears. They're uprooted by the power of God. Now, fear, it, it, sometimes we have fears uh, as we grow older, based on things from our childhood and early adult years. And I was reading recently the, uh, by a book by Charles Stanley called The Source of My Strength, where he talked about when he was a teenager, uh, his father died early on, and uh, his mother had a hard time making ends meet, and he moved 17 times in the first 16 years of his life. And his mom really tried to be there for him, but he, he would take some of her uh, mothering uh, the wrong way. She would always say, now, be careful, don't get hurt, uh, look out. And all of a sudden, he would take these in before he knew Christ to say, life is hard, don't take risks or you're going to get hurt, so preserve yourself. And so moving so much and then internalizing well-intended commands the wrong way he was an extremely fearful person. And when he heard the gospel and came to know Christ later as a teenager, he began to sense God uprooting the fears that were festering in his soul by learning to seek the Lord. Now, a, a fourth uh, fear text we're going to look at from the book of Psalm is found in Psalm 46. And the principle of this one is number four on your outline. It's this, glance at circumstances while gazing at the Lord. Oftentimes, we give the heavier look, the gaze, at our circumstances. No wonder we're afraid if we sit there and stare at how hard our life is. But we should glance at them, acknowledge them, but have our focus, our gaze, be on the Lord. And in verse 1 and 2 of 46, it says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. He made that commitment. We will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Now, he had come to know God as the, as the place to run to, his refuge and his strength. And then he says he's an ever-present help in times of trouble. He's always there. Do you ever have something that you're looking for at the house, and just when you need it, it's not there? Maybe, for me, it's two things. It's batteries. Every time I need a battery, it happens not to be there because it was using something else. And the other one is duct tape. Anytime I need duct tape, Stephen, my son, has used it to make something crazy around the house with duct tape. The other day I was at Walmart, I bought some duct tape, and I said to myself, I will never see this when I need it. We have things like that. Maybe you have a, a person like that, that when that person, you needed him, you needed her the most, they weren't there for you. But this idea of God at the end of verse 1 says he's ever-present in times of trouble. At the moment you need him most, you'll find that he is always there. And therefore the commitment is we will not fear. 
We've got to learn to gaze at God as our refuge and our strength and the one who's always going to be there even if the mountains give way into the sea. In other words, even when the most crushing moment happens, uh, this psalm is sometimes referred to as Martin Luther's psalm. And now Martin Luther was, came to know Christ as a, as a, in, in a monastery by reading the book of Romans. In Romans 1.17, the righteous will live by faith. And when the Protestant Reformation happened, and he broke away from the church and uh, began to form gospel-preaching churches and led a sort of a revolution in Western Europe in the uh, 16th century, there was a, a powerful time in his life, but one also filled with great trouble. And in just a minute, we're going to sing one of the, uh, a hymn that he wrote uh, based on this time. But he, he was going, he, he loved Psalm 46 and just really claimed it uh, again and again. And in, uh, he was going through a time where he personally, about 10 years after the Reformation, was in poor health. And, and not only that, he, uh, it was the time of the Black Plague in Germany. And, and then his, his wife was pregnant, his firstborn was nearly Ill, deathly ill, and, and they decided to open up their home during the Black Plague as an outpost for the hospital, basically a place for people to die. He was going through deep depression personally because of his own health trouble, and he clung to the verses and the truth in Psalm 46 that God was his refuge, God was his strength, and ever-present help in times of trouble. And one day he and one of his friends sort of expanded the truths of this great psalm into a beautiful hymn that we're going to sing together this morning before we continue the rest of this message today. Let's do it. Let's clap to the Lord. Amen. We can, we, well, uh, the next passage we're going to look at is Psalm chapter 56, verse 3. And the principle from it, number five on your outline, is this. Let fear serve as a reminder for faith. <laughs> David had a very complex mind spiritually. In other words, he was able to experience fear and faith in the same breath. Notice what he says in Psalm 56.3. He says, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. He was acknowledging Life is fearful. We might as well be honest with ourselves that there's going to be temptation for us to, to cave into the pressure of fear and anxiety. And David said, you know what? I'm going to stay a step ahead of fear. And when I am afraid, when I'm tempted to cave in to its pessimism and deceit of fear, I'm going to let that be my reminder of something. I'm going to trust in you, O oh God. You know what fear I like to view fear as? A ringtone. Do you ever have a, you know, ringtones have really developed through the years. There's, you can get these real personal, customized ones, really obnoxious ones. And then there's, uh, if you have a certain type of phone, you have different tones for every little thing. A different one for a text or an email or some other type of alert and then for a call. And if you're not careful, you're just listening all the time to all these little, little things that can go off. And I, I like to view fear as, whoa, that's reminding me of something. If, you're, if you get a ringtone and it reminds you that you have a call or you need to be, like, you may have a calendar 
tone that comes off. You're supposed to be there somewhere in a few minutes, and it reminds you to do that. Fear is that remind. When you feel that pressure of fear just kind of encroaching on your mind or, or sneaking into your heart, whoa, what is that supposed to remind me of? Oh, yeah, that's to remind me that I'm supposed to trust in God. <laughs> because uh, if, I, if I'm not careful, I'm going to trust in myself, and I'm going to be like that gal that fell forward flat on her face. But Lord, when I'm afraid, let that be my reminder to trust in you. I was reading recently the biography of a, a, a late Florida pastor in Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church, James Kennedy, who came up with the program Evangelism Explosion. And he was talking about when he first learned to share his faith, he'd not really done so much, even as a young minister. And he went to speak at a friend's church, and his, the friend said, hey, tomorrow morning I'm going to pick you up. We're going to go knocking on people's door, and we're going to share the gospel with them. And it said Jim Kennedy was so afraid of doing that that he prayed by his bedside at the hotel that night that the Lord would come back, that the return of, <laughs> that the return of Christ would happen that very evening. And he prayed and begged God, and it did not happen. And he went out, and his friend thought he, that Jim Kennedy was this real bold person. And all the fears he had about sharing his faith were, were, came to be fulfilled in the first visit. Because he went to some humongous guy that looked like he was mean and mad, and Jim Kennedy shared some things with him, and the guy got angry at Jim Kennedy. And then his friend kind of took over and you know, calmed the situation down and, and really had more of a methodical approach to building a friendship with someone and then sharing the gospel with him and all of a sudden Mr. Kennedy learned how to do that and said that the more he shared his faith his fear was overcome by the joy of serving Christ and oftentimes when, when we imagine the worst and we let fear begin to uh, win the day it, it just pushes faith out of the way but David reminds us when I'm afraid I will trust in you another psalm I highly recommend to you in those fearful moments of life is psalm chapter 91 many of you have have enjoyed the truths of the first couple of verses about he who dwells in the shelter of the most high will rest in the shadow of the almighty and as the psalm goes on uh, in verse 4 it uses imagery and says he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you'll find refuge his faithfulness will be your shield and rampart and look what it says in verse 5 it says this you will not fear the terror of night or the arrow that flies by day. Were you afraid of night as a kid? Oftentimes kids famously fear something in their room or under their bed or in their closet or afraid to go outside at night, not sure what, who or what is around the bushes. This imagery, you will not fear the terror of night, has to do with our tendency toward fearful imaginations or the fear of the worst possibilities happening in our life. And so something that, one of the ways we battle fear with the Psalms is this, number six, refuse to dwell on the worst possibilities. I was reading about Russian President Vladimir Putin, who has uh, been, been successful recently at collecting new enemies around the world, that because of his treatment of Ukraine, he's hired another staff member, and he's gone back to ancient uh, kings and that he has hired literally a food taste tester so whatever he eats or drinks someone 
is, is uh, doing that to him, is eating it first just in case someone has planted something. And, and some of you are going, that's who I need to hire at home, a taste tester. You know, sometimes we imagine the worst possibilities and we dwell on them and we feed those to ourselves. Now, scripturally, we're, we're to give those fears unto the Lord. You know, like in, in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 25, we're told this, do not fear sudden disaster or the ruin that overtakes the wicked. I remember memorizing that verse when I was a university student because I had something strange happen to me. In the period of about two weeks, I had two different wrecks in, uh, in parking lots. I was pulling out somewhere, and then boom, someone ran into me. And then uh, a few weeks later, the same thing as I was pulling out of a parking lot, and boom, someone ran into me. And it was just the time when I was began dating my Suze. Remember her from the earlier? And so I remember us being in the parking lot together, and I'm looking around like global calamity is about to happen on me. And she's like, what is wrong? And I looked at her and said, I guess I'm afraid of parking lots. You talk about a strange phobia, but I really, every time I was in a parking lot for the next few months, I was a nervous wreck. And you know what helped me? Two verses helped me. Proverbs 3.25, do not fear sudden disaster. Verse 26 says, the Lord will be your confidence, and he'll keep your foot from being snared. And then uh, another verse helped me. It was uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse uh, 29. It's the, the verse about, are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your Father. In other words, if you're ever going to wreck in a parking lot, Cliff, I'm going to be in control of it. I'm going to be designing it for purposes you don't understand. And it wasn't that I began pursuing wrecks in the parking lot. But I remember, you know, it's not a healthy thing to always consider the worst possibilities in life. It's not God's plan for us. Because fear has its own imaginations. It leads us into a path of danger. We battle it by faith and by trusting in the Lord to protect us. One last verse I want to share with you this morning in Psalm chapter 112, verse 7 and 8. And this uh, verse, this, this passage is about, really has a lot to do with a godly man. And in, in verse uh, 6, it says, Surely he will never be shaken. A righteous man will be remembered forever. Listen to verse 7. It says this, He will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is secure, and he will have no fear. Now, don't take this into an extreme to say that we should ever feel good about bad news or that we have to be void of grief or void of emotion. But how we handle bad news that will really say a lot about the level of faith that we have in God. And part of it is we just have to flat factor in bad news as a part of life. And I mean really bad news. But we could sit here every day and be wreck, wrecking ourselves, wondering when bad news is going to fall. Or we can be like the psalmist that says, he has no fear of bad news. Why? Because his heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. I was reading about the death, the untimely and unfortunate death of Dawson Trotman, who in 1956, he was the founder of the Christian organization, The Navigators. Many of you have read books by Nav Press and their founder, who founded the organization in 1933. He died in 56 in a lake in New York, um, drowning 
He drowned because he was seeking to rescue a young girl. They were out having a good play day with friends and family, and it was a tragic, tragic accident. His wife, Miss Lila Trotman, was coming to the scene after Mr. Trotman, had, they could not find him and had already passed away. And someone said, Lila, Lila, Dawson, he's gone. He is gone. And I'm sure that there was grief and that there was deep sorrow in her heart. But the first thing that came to her mind was a Bible verse. Now, the Trotmans were really into memorizing scripture verses. But the first thing that came to her mind was Psalm chapter 115, verse 3, that says, The Lord is in heaven, and he does whatever pleases him. That's probably the worst news any of us could ever experience, the, the tragic and sudden loss of our spouse. But one of the things that David does in, in this psalm that we must do, number seven on our outline this morning about battling fear with the psalms, is learn to take bad news in a Godward stride. Where we realize that our security, it doesn't come from the friends we have, from the education we have, or the skills we have, or the money we may or may not possess, but our security comes from the living God, that he is our security, and therefore bad news will may, maybe lead us to sorrow, it will lead us to grief, but it will not blow us over, it won't shake us, won't blow us backward. Why? Because our heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. This morning we've picked out so many great verses from the book of Psalms, and my great hope is it sort of whet your appetite to do your own digging into the book of Psalms, to, to get truths that you own, that you can write down, that you can memorize, that you can put into your heart when fear begins coming your way. As we consider these great truths, I'd like us to have a moment where we're bowing together and we're entering to a time of response. Maybe, as I mentioned, that story of Martin Luther where the verse that says the righteous will live by faith, maybe you've never really come to the place in your life where you've placed your faith in the Lord. Maybe when I mentioned Psalm 27 about how the Lord is my light and my salvation, maybe you've never become personal with God. You've been formal, you've been distant, you've been respectful, but you've never come to know Christ personally by calling upon the name of the Lord, by turning from sin and placing your faith in Christ. If that's you today, let today be the day of salvation in Christ for you. Oh, living Lord, we come before you and thank you for arming us with truth from your character that can help us through the real fears of life. And I'd like to pray that you would have your own way as we respond to you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.